Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Just me today. Uh, Going to go ahead and break down the weekend, give everybody an update on what's happening in camp. Uh, Netsies are looking all right. This offense is uh, quote unquote legit. I mean, you look really right down the right down the batting order. Nimmo up top and you know, we'll get into it. But really, you, you see it kind of coming into play. Uh, you saw the the team mentality really taking effect today uh, on Sunday, of course. So big win, a big win. Let's uh, let, let's hold hold off on that for now. Just a uh, just a nice win. Um, nice way to close out the week before the Mets have a full off day on Monday. Seven uh, five win over the Nationals. That was in Port St. Lucie. If you were watching on WPIX, of course, or listening on CBS, you had Howie and Wayne doing their thing today. Um, highlight of the afternoon, of course, Luis Guillorme's twenty two pitch at bat. You drew a walk. I mean, it, you can see the clip anywhere on Twitter. It's going to be all over the, the ESPNs and MLB Network highlight shows tonight. Uh, just so impressive. And this is the type of bat control and type of pitch selection and type of contact focused hitting that we've always heard that Luis Guillorme was about. And, you know, this spring, he's just been on an absolute tear. Uh, this is Jordan Hicks, who, you know, he, he touched over 100 God, you know, who, who knows how many times during this at bat. Uh, this was his first batter face since coming back from Tommy John surgery. So he's out there. And, and, you know, of course, he runs into an absolute buzzsaw in, in Luis Guillorme. And uh, just, you know, absolutely outstanding at bat. Uh, he said after the game on Sunday, he thinks his catching a, uh, a, a, a flying bat in the dugout was more impressive than this today. Uh, well, you know, that's debatable. We'll see. But uh, Jordan Hicks, you know, tossing 100 at you, I believe his lowest velocity in that at bat was something like 80, low 80s or mid 80s. So having to deal with that sort of uh, disparity in velocity, being able to make contact so many times, he didn't hit a full count until the 20th pitch of the at bat. Just it, it, incredibly impressive. Um, it really brings into... I guess brings into light where, where does Luis Guillorme, how does he not fit into the everyday lineup for these Mets? Um, you know, third base has certainly been a, a point of, of discussion, a point of contention among the fans this, this spring, uh, JD Davis, you know, penciled in uh, certainly is an option for Luis Rojas. He's had a very nice spring, Four for 15, two strikeouts, five walks. Only struck out for the second time all spring on Sunday. Um, really just looked confident at the plate. Uh, he's been talking a lot uh, a lot this spring about um, rotation. He, he thinks he was rotating a little bit too much last year. He's trying to get everything kind of in order. And that's, you know, that's encouraging to see. But, um, you know, J.D. Davis's bat was never the problem. It's his glove. Uh you know, with a with an offensive upside like that, is it easy to hide his glove somewhere? Sure, of course, because he brings so much more uh, potential at the plate that, you know, you kind of have to have that trade off. But Luis Guillorme, you know, he's five for 15 this spring. He's got only three strikeouts, three walks. He's played everywhere. He, get, he got time at second base. He got time at shortstop. He got time at third base. Um, you know, it certainly appears that he's going to be Luis Rojas's first option 
around the infield. And and if he's going to keep on hitting like this, and if we've said it before, you can go back to, you know, August of 2019, he's been, a you know, a plus 300 hitter with a plus 800 OPS. You can't ignore that, especially if it's going to continue. And, and it looks like he's only getting more confident and it's just, uh, it's all, it's all very encouraging. Um, again, the, you know, the Mets were, they're built around depth and that goes, you know, to so many levels, but uh, you know, even today, you had your pretty much starting lineup up there, at least for, uh, along the first. You could probably look down and say the first seven, but you know, Brandon Nimmo, one for two today with another walk. He said this week he knows he can hit. He knows he can hit three hundred. My apologies, but he's more concerned with getting on base, and we know he has no issues there. He's nine for twenty this spring. That's a four fifty batting average, two doubles, a triple, a home run, three walks. And five strikeouts, which, you know, I guess if you're going to strike out, which he's not really a high strikeout guy, has been more recently in recent years. But, uh, you know, nothing to really be overly concerned with. But, um, you know, Rojas has already said that uh, Nimmo is going to be his number one and Francisco Lindor is likely going to be his number two on most days. And, you know, we saw that kind of working today. Lindor, he's had a slow start to the spring, but he got on base a couple of times today. Uh, one for three with a walk, uh, scored an, a run on Michael Conforto's RBI single early. Conforto went three for three on Sunday with uh, two RBIs. He's really been uh, picking it up this spring. Uh, Tom Smith right behind him. He drove home uh, one of his own with a double. Kevin Pillar is having a very nice spring of his own. We'll talk about him in a second because, uh, again, he's kind of making a case for himself to get more playing time. And, you know, he's brought in his depth. But, again, we'll, we'll touch on that shortly. But just back to what we've seen so far, um, it's been, you know, encouraging on all fronts, at least on the offensive side. And we've talked about it in the past. This is a team that um, – the offense really wasn't a problem. They've shored up some deficiencies and that's really nice to see, but it's not like this is going to be a, um, a weak spot and you know, one through eight, there really are no weak spots. You can even go down to, to McCann who, who's hit very, very well this spring. Um, Oh, I had his numbers right in front of me. Now I don't. But anyway, I mean, really, just one through eight has been, it's, it's not going to be, again, it's not going to be a weak spot, but um, Pete Alonzo, Pete Alonzo has absolutely been the, uh, the, the, the guiding light, the, the, the brightest spot uh, of Mets camp so far. Um, his first actions coming into camp was, you know, at least deactivating his uh, social media accounts. He's, he's focused. He said he wants to live in real life, but, uh, you know, living on the field is good enough for us. And it really, it appears like he's having fun. He ends every press conference this spring with LFGM. Um, you know, just the, the the energy is so there. Uh, he's one for three on Sunday, uh, another two RBIs. He had a base hit in the fifth to score two. He's seven for 21 this spring. He's got three doubles, two homers, nine RBIs. He's just, he's making, he said he's been, been, been making a conscious effort not to chase this string, uh, this spring. He's really, uh, he's laying off and it's paying off. And, you know, you can even go back to last year. I mean, in September, uh, September into October, I should say, um, he had 10 home runs down the stretch, which was second most in major leagues over that span. You know, it, of course, he's a mercurial player 
we've seen that and it's a is the, the constant adjustments we know how important that is to uh to i guess what we've you know been accustomed to seeing with pete guys are going to attack uh pitchers are going to attack i mean it's up to pete to kind of play that cat and mouse game i believe he said that specifically in the past so you know there's always room to improve but you know all right so last year I I should say 2019 is rookie year. Um, Pete absolutely crushed four seam fastballs, two seam fastballs, uh, just absolutely creamed him. Um, 294, slugging percentage of 669, um, killed it. And then in 2020, just took a huge step back. He hit 243 with a 513 slugging percentage against fastballs. And, you know, that's going to hurt. So there's going to be an explanation for that, of course, always. Alonzo showed he was susceptible to breaking pitches. This is going back to 2019, of course. He's hit just 203 against him, 418 slugging. Naturally, you know, pitchers took advantage of it in 2020, and the results pretty much stayed the same. He was not very productive versus breaking pitches. Now, at times, we saw last season, like we were just saying, Alonzo looked a little lost. Well, when you're being a, a fed a steady diet of breaking balls and you're forced to kind of hunt fastballs, all it takes from a pitcher's perspective is a basic game plan. It'll kind of throw any hitter into disarray if he's kind of focused on one pitch. So until the hitter alters his approach, he's pretty much stuck in that spot. Now, Pete, as I said, he's making a conscious effort not to chase this spring. I believe maybe it was Wednesday or Thursday during his post-game press conference. Uh, he he actually counted. He's only chased four balls this spring. I haven't, I, I wish I would have kept up with that through the last two games. I didn't, but um, you know, even on Sunday, he had a ground ball early in the game. I went and checked StatCast. It came off the bat. I mean, he, he topped it. It was a hard hit ground ball, but he topped it. He got on top of it and it was a, you know, a worm burner. 94.4 miles per hour off the bat. So even when it's supposed to be weak contact, he's still putting out above average, uh, excuse me, above average exit velocity. I mean, clearly everything is just clicking for him right now. And, uh, you know, as, as Pete Alonzo goes, the Mets go. And you could say that <laughs> about just about everyone on this, on this roster. As Michael Conforto goes, the Mets go. As Brandon Nimmo goes, the Mets go. As Jeff McNeil goes, the Mets go. <laughs> you could even now, you can add Lindor to that. Dom Smith is integral. I mean, again, this roster is built around depth. Um, we saw it on Saturday with Jordan Yamamoto. I mean, Yamamoto brought in strictly as a depth piece. This was a guy who was, you know, cast off by the Marlins with so, so, so much potential. Actually wrote about it for the Apple on on Sunday, uh, early Sunday morning. And that's pretty much the reason why I have no guests tonight. I've really been wrapped up at the Apple and uh, yeah, completely forgot to book a guest. I have people that I've been speaking to and just never did it. So, hey, that falls on me. But um, I hope this is working out okay for everybody. so again, as we said, the Mets dedicated themselves to depth. Um, you could look at least onto the into the starting rotation: Taiwan Walker, Joey Lucchese, Yamamoto, uh, you know, Sean Reed Foley. You really have a lot of guys you can look at and be like, "Wow, like this is depth that the Mets really haven't had in a long time." So Yamamoto, after three three and a third on Saturday night uh, against the Nationals. He's got his spring ERA down to 1.08. Uh, 
0.96 walks and hits per inning. Um, and he's, he's just under a complete game this spring. So 8.1 innings. Like, that's going to work. That's going to play. Uh, Carrasco, Carlos Carrasco, of course. He's been on the shelf this spring. He's dealing with a little arm soreness, which he's said many times. So has Rojas that this is something that he deals with every spring. Uh, his, I guess, reaction to his second COVID vaccination shot also affected that, which it's affected some of some people's the same way as far as you know, body soreness and such or soreness in that arm. But uh, he said on Sunday that he should be ready for his first start. He really shouldn't have to be skipped, but you know, even without Noah Syndergaard in the in the rotation until June, there's going to be you know spots in, in the back in the back end of the rotation. Yamamoto, um, at least so far through camp, has to be one of those guys being looked at. I mean, at least looked at viably, and you have to assume Walker is a uh, is a shoe in. Um, you know, there's the Mets have options. Yamamoto talked about it a bit on Saturday. I have the quote here. He said, if my name gets called, I'm going to go out there and perform to give my team the best chance to win. We hope and pray for a speedy recovery. He's talking about Carlos Carrasco, but it doesn't change anything. I'm out here to compete. I'm out here to prove that I belong in the big leagues. I don't want to go anyplace else. Then he continues on about his, you know, up and down with Miami. And, um, you know, you could really see that he's working towards improvement and it really feels like he's in the right place to improve. Uh, his peripheral metrics are just so, you know, his arsenal is just absolutely fantastic. He's got great spin rates. I don't think he's got a spin rate lower than 2,200 on any of his pitches, at least any of his primary pitches. He throws a four seam, a cutter, a fast, uh, yeah, four seam, excuse me, four seam, cutter, slider, and curveball. Curveball has been getting a little beat up as of late, at least over the last couple of years, but it's still a nasty pitch with very high spin rate and with the right eyes on it. Excuse me. I got to take a sip of water. Much better with the right eyes on it in guys like Hefner and guys like Ricardo and guys like Ricky Meinhold, the rest of the Mets new analytics and research and development department, you know, here, I got his stats here. I wrote about it. Like I said, I wrote about it on Sunday morning. So in 2019, Yamamoto's four-seam fastball held hitters to a 171, 284, 324 slash. I'm using weighted on base average for the middle slash. His cutter held hitters to a 200, 270, 320 slash. The slider was 082, 149, 143. Like, those are weapons. And this is a guy with, what, I think he had 60-something innings his rookie year. Um, Sure, hitters got... You know, a very good look at him and I guess a good look at the scouting report and absolutely crushed him. But he only made four appearances in 2020. So you have to take that with nothing more than a grain of salt. Um, again, with the right eyes on him and the right coaching in his ear, the right advice in his ear, the right information being given to him to kind of move forward and alleviate those shortcomings, it's really going to pay off for him. And to say it again, he's in the right place to make these things happen. So the Mets clearly need to fill in rotation spots. We saw David Peterson come in on Sunday and I, you know, guys, I'm a big David Peterson fan. I really am. Um, I believe it was 2018 in high a, a single a, I'm sorry, Columbia, um, pitched to like a one under a sub 1.90 ERA. Like this is over nine starts. 
very, very promising stuff, um, high-end stuff. You saw his curve on Sunday. I don't know if you saw it. Nasty curve to Dylan Carlson. Just absolutely caught him looking. The thing caught just the back end of the – it really just it, absolutely gorgeous. But, guys, you got to remember, I think I've said it here before, but David Peterson's never pitched above double-A uh, before 2020. He'd never done it. And he only had 13 starts in double-A total. He wasn't all that good in double-A. It was 4.33 across, oh, I don't know, 10 appearances, nine starts. Like, you know, he was on a track for development. Um, the Mets in 2020, of course, were left absolutely with their, you know, pants around their ankles and saying, oh, we have no starting pitching because we let Zach Wheeler walk because we, uh, you know, it, whatever. Stroman opted out. Syndergaard got hurt. The Mets were screwed. They had to go ahead and, and, and dip into their depth. And lo and behold, there was no depth. So they had to bring David Peterson into the show. And guys, he did terrific. He did fantastic. Over nine starts, 3.44 ERA. That's great. Nothing to complain about there. But over a full season, major league hitters would have exposed his weaknesses and it could have severely sent his development into a state of disarray. It really could have, you know, you know how we've all seen the way that one, a rookie pitcher coming up, he's going to get hit hard and he's going to have to adjust. His stuff played, yes, but is does he have the ability to adjust at the same level that major league hitters are adjusting to him? No, probably not. Not without that necessary development through the minors. Um, he's not some sort of blue chip guy that's, oh, you know, he can ride through on his talent. He rode through nine starts on his talent. Great. But on Sunday, it took the Cardinals all of two batters to really get a, a good feel for him. You know, I think he had he got his first two outs of the game and then the Cardinals strung together. Well, I don't know. They scored two in the first. I believe it was four or five base runners in a row. And, um, you know, even throughout his the rest of his day, it wasn't easy. There were bright spots. Sure. And there's a lot of promise there. But you know, this isn't a you know, this isn't a guy who's ready for prime time. Now, he wasn't ready for prime time last year. He had an excellent, excellent run. And again, this is not in any way to discredit David Peterson or the work he's put in or the his performance in 2020, all great things. I just wouldn't want to hinder his development um, when it's not necessary. The Mets have so much depth. If you look up and down their, their roster right now, they, they, they just, they have it. We said it before, Lucchese, Walker, Yamamoto. I mean, you have even going down to like the, the extreme end of the, of the, the depth chart. I mean, you have guys who can kind of slide in. You have Robert Kazelman who could still probably start and give you, I don't know what, three innings. Let's stretch him out and like maybe get three or four out of him. I mean, he, we've seen him be effective, maybe not consistent, but effective. And again, it comes back to having the right coaches and the right eyes around him to say, Hey, maybe do this and him to trust his coaches. Maybe that, you know, this is speculation. Maybe that was an issue in the past. You really never know, but um, it's worth a shot. And then as you get guys back, as you get Lugo back, you know, relieve some pressure in the pen. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel because right now you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. 
You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Comcast has built a broadband network with one simple purpose, to keep customers connected every single day. In the last 10 years, we have invested $30 billion and $15 billion since 2017 alone to keep America's largest gig speed broadband network fast, secure, and reliable. Because more Americans rely on Comcast to stay connected, we work around the clock to build a better network every single day. Comcast, better today, even better tomorrow. Learn more at comcast.com network. The Fall Line is a true crime podcast covering the coldest cases in the southeastern United States and occasionally beyond. We focus on the missing persons, the unsolved murders, and the unidentified does that don't get media attention. Empathetic and intensively researched, The Fall Line will take you on deep dives into unsolved cases that you've never heard of and make you wonder why you haven't. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And speaking of the bullpen, Diaz and Familia and Miguel Castro, these guys have been in an absolute tear lately. Um, lots to be excited about there. But, you know, of course, we know how volatile a bullpen is. Uh, I think Tim Britton said it on the, on the show a couple of weeks ago. That's kind of the nature of a bullpen is just volatile um, unknowns. And, you know, you try to make it as secure as possible. But um, I know you can't put a lot into it. And it's just spring. But there's certainly a lot to be uh, to be happy about there. Daniel Zamora had a nice outing on Saturday, worth noting. Um, you know, there's back to Peterson. I'm sorry. That's where I was. Peterson doesn't need to be rushed into anything. You can let him develop in AAA this year. If absolutely, uh, excuse me, absolutely necessary. Sure. You bring him up and you, you see where it goes. But uh yeah, I, I, I'm not fast to uh, I'm not really quick to go ahead and say, yep, this is the guy. Let's do it now. It's just it, it's it's unnecessary. Um, he's got so much potential. Why rush him into it and stunt his growth? It's just it, it doesn't make any sense to me. But hey, not my decision. Right. And yeah, I do. I have the stats right here. Miguel Castro, Edwin Diaz, Jerry's familiar and Robert Kazelman. And oh, our friend Trevor Hildenberger, who got reassigned uh, to the minor league side of camp, but I have a feeling he'll be back. These guys haven't let up an earned run this spring. Just outstanding work. Mike Montgomery stepped up. He's only made a couple appearances. Drew Smith has been terrific. He was he was in there on uh, on Saturday night along with Daniels Mora, um, Marcus Stroman. I think he's through eight point one this spring. What do we have here? What do we got here? Yeah, really, just uh, everyone's moving right along. So, yeah, that was on Thursday night. You had Stroman. He put in his own 3.1, four hits, an earned run, four strikeouts, a walk. Still got his all his pitches working. He said he was one. I saw him comment on Twitter. He he wants to start using a high changeup. I guess you're going to come in towards right-handers, kind of chase away from lefties. You know, you have guys that always like to chase up high. Strowman's going to, you know, he's going to take advantage of these vulnerabilities. That's what he does. And he's so good at it. Um, again, I've said it on the show before. 
NL Cy Young Dark Horse, Marcus Stroman. You can write that shit down. Anyway, uh, I believe we spoke about Jacob's DeGrom, uh, excuse me, Jacob DeGrom's perfect outing on Thursday. Um, you know, no surprise there. He's been absolutely fantastic. Really, everything is shaping up. Everything is really coming into its own right at the right time. Uh, even, you know, going back to Luis Guillorme's 22 pitch at bat on Sunday, you had the whole dugout just absolutely jumping up and down with every pitch fired up. This is what spring training is about. You guys have seen Remember the Titans, you know, the whole coming together. That's an important part of team building. You know, to build that trust between teammates, to know that everyone's got each other's back, to know that, you know, if someone falls back, they're going to be picked up. We're going to pick up the slack. That's a real important part to building a a team. It's important to to have confidence in the people around you that they can do the same work or bring the same level of commitment. And boy, to have everyone up on that top step and cheering on Luis Guillorme, who you know, this is going on three years, hasn't gotten a, a, a lick of a fair shot. He's finally starting to, to earn his keep. Um, and you see the whole roster behind him. Doesn't matter if some of these guys might lose a spot to Luis Guillaume. Everyone's out there rooting for him. And it's, it, it's, a, it's a cool thing to see. Um, I think it speaks so much more to the, just the, the, the chemistry and the energy around this team. It's, it's, you know, it's something to behold. And you, you see this type of energy in spring. You know, what are we going to see in May? What are we going to see in the dog days of summer? You know, whether this team is up by two, back by five, or up by 12. You know, this is, um, I'm talking about in the standings, but even in the game. You know, this is the Mets, baby. You never, you never count them out. This is, um, I just dropped the mic. <laughs> um, not, in the, not in the closing the show way, like I actually dropped the mic. Uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's exciting. And you guys, I've spoke my optimism for for a whole a very long time on this show and even in the columns and stuff. But, you know, there's a certain aspect of being a Mets fan that you have to take the um, the good and not forget about the bad. And, you know, I guess that's where I look at Peterson like, oh, cool, great. Like, this is really good for the uh, for the future of the team. And it's good for the rotation. It's more depth. But. You know, think about you don't got to think about the present as much as you should think about the future, if that makes any sense. But I'm getting off on a tangent at this point. Um, Guys, for my first episode alone, this is really hasn't been so bad. I looked down at the clock. I got my full 30 in. That's real, real, really all I wanted to accomplish. But kind of rolled right along. What do we got coming out this week? Hold on. I need some more water. I guess my Sunday is speaking for itself. Um, what do we got lined up this week? Oh, we're going to be doing a hobby episode soon. I got breakers from all over. I'm about card breakers, of course. And if you're not familiar with what card breaks are, think about a. All right, you have a um, a box of uh, a hobby box of cards, which is like thirty packs. Let's just average it out thirty packs. So you get thirty people to sign up. You random off all the teams in Major League Baseball. So the uh, the A's down to the oh, I should know who the last alphabetical team is. Anyway, so you random off all thirty teams to all thirty people in the break. Everyone in the break goes home with all of the cards for that team. So you know if you had a twenty twenty box of cards and you got the White Sox and you know you get a whole bunch of Luis Roberts, pretty good chance of saying that you left that break you know as a winner. 
Uh, if you got the, uh, you know, the San Francisco Giants and got, you know, a shitload of Logan Webbs. Yeah, maybe you probably you could say that struck out. But, you know, there's appeal to it. Um, but these breakers, they're kind of got their finger on the pulse of the hobby. Um, and even on just apart from card breaks, the whole process of it, the grading, the the fluctuation of the market, the, the the market's explosion in itself. Steve Cohen, if you're listening, pal, we'd love to talk to you about the hobby, but you know, I'm sure you're busy with the whole Mets thing and you just bought PSA, which is the largest, largest card grading company and authenticator in the world. So uh, you could probably got your hands full. So just to fill you guys in again, we're going to be doing some hobby stuff uh, through the season, but we're probably going to have one coming up soon. Um, yeah. Just keep you covered through camp. Again, we uh, have a very little bit of media access at the, the Apple. So trying to keep you all posted there with uh, uh, your, uh, your press conferences and, and such uh, follow on Twitter. So that's at the Apple NYM on Twitter. Uh, my personal of course is at Timothy R Ryder. Uh, on Twitter. Yeah. You guys know where to find us. Uh, we'll be back later in the week, more guests, more news, more stats, all that fun stuff. Uh, keep it locked onto the Apple. Tell every, you know, tell all your Mets fans, friends about uh, simply amazing about the site, about what we're doing here. And uh, we'll see you next time. Let's go Mets. <laughs>